Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We're live, pal. All right, another cold open. I'm still uh, debating on grabbing uh, a new... I really want to use like a, a royalty-based WWE theme. Um, yeah, I was thinking like perhaps Tugboat. Remember if you if you guys remember Tugboat's theme? Uh, very cool. One of those like old early 90s themes. I'm going to see if I can slide it in there and, and not get like kicked off Spotify. That's the only thing I'm worried about. I know Spotify has a big... Uh, well, a few of these podcast distributors have ways of um, scanning for, you know, royalty, non-royalty free, like so royalty-based um, music. So if I don't have the, the license for it, you know, I might get the bootski. I have had one of my podcasts come to a, um unceremonious end for using copyright music, even though it was for a, like a tribute. It was at Eddie Van Halen. I had at the beginning of Eddie Van Halen podcast, the beginning of uh, Eruption. And then I got booted off uh, and had to restart the podcast from scratch and with like a slightly different name and on a different platform and such. Anyways, welcome to One Year in Wrestling, everybody. Uh, I have decided to go with the year of 1992. I am massive into the 90s nostalgia right now. Uh, I call it my age. I'm 41. So, um, you know, back then I was like 91. I would have been 10. So for 1992, 11 11 years old, grade six. Oh man. And just like the, yeah, everything is just hitting me in the feels that's has this nineties base, specifically early nineties. So, uh, the cutoff seemingly being like 94, I just watched a 94, uh, Montreal Expos documentary. I don't know if, uh, for baseball fans out there, the 94 Expos were an incredible team and really lightning in a bottle. And it, it, they were never the same after that. And then shortly after, uh, left Montreal, and, uh, but yeah, they were like ahead of, you know, if anybody's a baseball fan as well, uh, will remember the Braves were just dominant in the early nineties, early to mid nineties and 94, the Expos were actually ahead of them by like a few games. Uh, you know, the strike was, I think in August of 94 and Montreal was like, had a fairly sizable, you know, games lead on the Braves and they were the dark horse favorites, maybe not even the dark horse favorites to win that world series that year. And I'm a huge Toronto Blue Jays fan, or was specifically growing up. I just loved the Blue Jays and, you know, the 92, 93 Blue Jays. I don't know. I'm just thinking like all the cartoons, right? Simpsons. What a time to be alive. I think the 90s is like the best decade in a lot of ways. It, um, it's sort of the uh, the bridge between what we know as far as like, um, you know, the in internet started coming into schools and, in, you know, dial up uh you know, and the way that we uh, consume entertainment, there was still very much a hybrid of like, there was still movie stores and CD stores and so forth. But there was also, you know, you're starting to get to the idea where you can like download things and you can stream like early, early. I don't, yeah, that might be a little bit early for that. It might've been in the 2000s before you can start streaming things or like watching YouTube and such. I think that's early 2000s, but you know, 90s was, yeah, what a time to be alive. I, I'm really happy that I got to grow up, you know, as a, 
uh, pre-teen and teen throughout the 90s. Um, so I would have turned yeah, 20 in the year 2001. So this is this classic time. Anyway, so 92 is the the year I'll be doing. <clears throat> and I'll be having some guest hosts um, you know, throughout the year as well. And 92 is not a huge investment of time, as anybody that listened to the last episode knows uh, that was sort of one of the reasons I bowed out from the commitment, as well as Chris, uh, other co-host Chris, uh, bowed out just from the, the time commitment um, for watching like the WCW. Like, it seems like it's not that much, but honestly, we just I wasn't prioritizing it, and it was just not going to continue unless I modified the model here. So I'm just going to look up how many WCW pay-per-views were in the 90s, or sorry, in the 90, 1992 specifically. Let's have a little look here. Category. Not too many, I wouldn't th- wouldn't think. Okay, so Beach Blast, Halloween Havoc, uh Super or sorry, Starcade ninety two, Battle Battle Bowl, the Lethal Lottery Two, Super Brawl, Great American Bash. Oh, there's like the uh hidden door before the hidden door came up. WCW New Japan Super Show two and Wrestle War ninety two. So they actually had quite a few pay per views here. I, oh, this is 93, though. Jacksonville in 1993. Hmm. All right. Super show. Oh, January 4th. Interesting. So January 4th, 92, there was a New Japan WCW Super Show. And it took place in the Tokyo Dome. Hmm. I might have to watch this. That's like the uh, Wrestle Kingdom before Wrestle Kingdom almost, right? I wonder if Wrestle Kingdom was around even then even yet because they were what number 17 wrestle kingdom this year so yeah it wouldn't have been this is like a precursor for that almost what is the january 4th i wonder what that has to do with anything in like japanese culture it must be a big day of some kind uh forgive me for not knowing that um feel free to correct me on in some fashion or let me know not so much correct me i didn't guess Oh, let's have a look. So this is, we will get to 92 Royal Rumble, of course, but let's set the table a little bit for the year 1992, which is what we're going to be doing here on the podcast, that being one year in wrestling. All right, we're looking at, yeah, so Jushin Thunder Liger. Oh, dude, I'm so bad at pronouncing like the Japanese superstars names. So I'm going to skip over some of these matches. My apologies. The Enforcer, which is Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco. Uh, beat a couple of uh, Jap- Japanese gentlemen, uh, Dusty Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes. Very cool. Against, again, a couple other Japanese gentlemen, Duke and Saito. There we go. I can get those guys. Uh, Tony Halme versus Scott Norton. Scott Norton was big in Japan, I remember. Big Van Vader against El Gigante. Nice. A.K.A. Giant Gonzalez. Antonio Inoki versus Hase. And that was a dark match for some reason. Lex Luger versus Chono, Masahiro Chono. For, that's for the WCW Heavyweight Championship. Very interesting. 15 minutes. And then Sting and the Great Muda versus the Steiner Brothers in the main event. Yeah, pretty cool. I might have to watch that. Oh, dude. And then the commentators are Jim Ross with Tony Schiavone. And the host of the show is Eric Bischoff. Yeah, pretty interesting stuff. Okay. So I might have to circle back and look at that one. Uh, what else we got? So Great American Bash, of course, July 12th, 92. Uh, we got Super Brawl, which will be next month. Oh, right on the leap year, February 29th, 92. That'll be interesting. 
uh, Starcade Battle Bowl, or Starcade '92 Battle Bowl. I don't know if I can say say that. Uh, December twenty eighth. So that's usually where Starcade is in that final pay per view of the season slot. Uh, of the year, rather. Uh, Halloween Havoc, of course, on October 25th. Beach Blast. So I imagine that became um, the Great American Bash. No, so we have the Great American Bash. What was the other beach one that this formed out of this? What is it? Bash at the Beach? Yeah, Bash at the Beach, of course. So Beach Blast is this first one here. Ricky Steamboat against Rick Rude. Very cool. June 20th. Okay. Nice. So definitely got some good um, WCW pay-per-views i mean in theory i honestly haven't really watched old school wcw like old old school wcw so it'd be interesting to see how that goes so i will have to circle back and watch at least some of the new japan super show super show 2 which is really cool that's like sort of yeah like the precursor of um yeah of wrestle kingdom speaking of i just want to because i haven't done a show since uh the end of the year, I want to say it was like right around New Year's Eve, if I recall, uh, coming back on the other. Um, so since then, I watched this year's uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and man, it was great. I, I very much enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite ones, and because I have the subscription to uh, New Japan um, for the month, basically till the end of the month, I went back and watched all of the Okada Osprey dating back i think they've done four now for uh, matches and they're just incredible i dare say this is a hot take i dare say i prefer those matches or that series of matches to the uh okada omega trilogy which i know maybe uh blasphemy to some uh but yeah to have a look at it i don't know there's this there's something about i mean both series are amazing. I mean, if they'd be so, so very, very close if you were to rate them. But I think I'm just, I, I prefer, and this is, you know, personal preference, right? I prefer Will Ospreay to Kenny Omega. And Okada is, might be like, he's in my top two or three wrestlers in the world and has been for for years. He's just so awesome and so amazing. And um, just watching his uh, his evolution over the years. Very, very cool. So, uh, you know, the, and then for this year's, um, Wrestle Kingdom, just touch on the, the two main events. Uh, so with Okada, Okada versus Jay White was amazing. Um, Jay White plays his character very well. He is annoying. Uh, I, I've, <laughs> I, I'm usually like cool with the, these types of things, but he, when he does like the too sweet chop where he does the, like raises it and then does the sweet and chops the guy as he says sweet and the whole yeah yeah not my thing i don't know super annoying uh everything else he does is great though great look uh yeah he'd be i think he would do fantastic in wwf (laughs) always say that wwe um (laughs) yeah i mean he was he kind of had this strange one-off in in uh, aew that seemed like he was a little bit marginalized or perhaps not as big a star as, as he presented as a big a star as, as, as he is, or maybe that just uh, not that many people legit don't know, but I, I found it hard to believe because most of the ADW fans would, would have very much known who he was. Um, yeah. And then of course the, so great match there. And again, Okada just so damn good. Uh, and the, um, match of the night though was Omega Osprey. Uh, completely lived up to the hype. I know there's there's the little bit of the you know no DQ feel to it, which some people say is uh, takes away from it a little bit. But you know I thought it was cool. I like, got the table spot and Kenny doing the uh, 
here's Kenny, which was uh, the camera barely caught or just kind of caught at the end. Otherwise, you wouldn't have even known he did it. And uh, yeah, I, Osprey's like on, um, they're not on, what is the uh, what are, word I'm looking for? Like a uh, much better seller than he gets credit for. Uh, you know, I think he he gets lumped into that, you know, ricochet, uh, you know, the flip flop fly guy, which he has, but he tells great stories and he sells very well. I mean, he was doing the, uh, the, the punch drunk thing. Very Shawn Michaels, I thought, when he was busted open and, you know, uh, couldn't get his hands up and was like st- staggering. Every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers around the ring and looked dazed and honestly looked like he'd been you know uh he was a little out of it right i thought he did wonderful and uh yes he's yeah he if if i who was i saying yeah okada being in the top two or three i think osprey would be up there too man like he's he's amazing and he really took the uh the tv time and the opportunity that he had on aew television and made the most of it and really showed that he it would be like no problem for him at all to, to be able to cross over and just you wouldn't even miss a beat as far as adjusting to whether it's AEW or, or WWF so yeah an amazing match anyway both of those are, are incredible I've watched the uh, Omega Osprey twice now they're both like 30 plus minutes they're in around 35 minutes I think Meltzer gave um the Omega Osprey like six point two five stars, which is his second highest rating ever, if I if I'm not mistaken. The, one of the uh, Okada uh, Omega matches got seven stars. I, I want to say it was one of the Wrestle Kingdom matches, or the or was it the Dominion one? Ah, oh, man, I can't even remember. Either way, and then uh, the second greatest match of all time happens, according to Meltzer, is uh, is this this last one? Any other comedy? If anybody listens to, like the Bruce Pritchard podcast of like the well, it'll be 17 stars if it was in the Tokyo Dome. So just kind of going with that, you know, it's like it always enhances uh, uh, the match match star level, it seems to be, if it takes place in Japan or specifically the Tokyo Dome, which is uh, comical as well. So, uh, but yeah, amazing stuff. And I mean, like anybody that hasn't gotten, uh, you know, the it's essentially like the WWE Network, but for New Japan is it's totally worth it. It's like 10 bucks Canadian. So I imagine it's like seven bucks US. Uh, whatever the yen equivalent of of that is, and it's I think it's nine hundred ninety nine yen and um, for the month. And uh, dude, it's just, it's totally worth it just to go watch some of these matches back. Like if if you haven't really uh, dove into any of the Wrestle Kingdoms, they are so cool. As I said at the last podcast, I think I've been watching five the last five or six, maybe even more than that now. And yeah, man, there's so many great, great matches in there. And, you know, even the 999, just to watch a couple of these uh, Okada matches, the Okada Osprey series, Okada Omega, if you're not familiar with those matches, that is worth the price of admission. Never mind like the rich history. I mean, it goes back to, I think, 1972. I don't know how far back it goes. I generally watch like the newer matches, like the last six, seven years. I mean, there's still like the Jericho where it was unheard of at the time, Jericho goes over there, uh, goes to Japan, right, in 
20, was it 18? I know we talked about this last time, but I am not as smooth with my remembering my dates as I used to be. Uh, you know, the 90, the early 90s, I can remember very vividly. But um, yeah, the Jericho Omega thing where that was kind of like, uh, in a lot of ways, that was a, a foundation being laid for AEW, right? That particular match, Jericho doing that. I know there's obviously the Young Bucks and the Elite and all that, but um, you know Jericho doing that honestly was uh, was a huge part of what ended up uh, becoming AEW as well. So big, rich in wrestling history is New Japan. So moving on to '92, uh, yes, we are or we I have decided to do 1992 for this year and for one year in wrestling. All right, I'm going to go back to yeah, we've already got this off the hook. Um, little backstory, like heading into uh 92 so this is the one where rick flair does win he draws number three and there's actually a lot of like backstory to you know uh the behind the scenes style uh you know conversations that we can have uh which we will bring up for this one but so if you remember so uh undertaker debuted in, in survivor series 1990 and by survivor series 91 which is a couple months before this royal rumble 92 which i'll be reviewing uh undertaker actually beat Hulk Hogan, not cleanly, but definitely beat him, uh, with a tombstone where Hogan's head was about three feet off the mat. It was like supposed to be on a two a chair. And there's a whole story about like Hogan saying that like uh Undertaker Mark Calloway didn't take care of him and it like wrecked his neck and stuff like that. When if you actually watch it, like he's he's about a half a foot off the chair, like he being Hogan, his head. Uh, which is quite quite comical. Um, so yeah, Joe Louis Arena, seventeen thousand five hundred. The nineteen ninety one Survivor Series, Undertaker wins. You know, and this is just classic stuff. So after that, uh, of course, President Jack Tunney steps in. Ric Flair actually helped. Um, I want to say it was like one of those old weird wooden chairs too that he used that he Undertaker used, and it was like Ric Flair's involvement. You can see all po- all all signs pointing to a Ric Flair Hogan. Uh, match at WrestleMania at this point, and even into the Royal Rumble and after the Royal Rumble, which was interesting stuff. I mean, that's worth talking about too. Um, so yeah, pretty much like six days after, I want to say it was about six days after the Survivor Series '91, there was a one-off pay-per-view event called This Tuesday in Texas. So that took place, yeah, December third, yeah. So about six, seven days, because like, it was on uh, Thanksgiving Eve, so the November twenty seventh, ninety one. This was eight thousand people, so another big house, just days after Survivor Series, December third, ninety one, and that include or included the match Randy Savage versus Jake Roberts, which is a big rivalry. It's, I mean, early nineties rivalry. It doesn't get much better than that. That's where you know Macho Man was tied the ropes and. Uh, the, the snake bit his arm and, you know, uh, Jake, the snake invading, uh, Miss Elizabeth and Macho Man's wedding and having the wedding present of a snake and all of that. It's classic stuff. All right. Um, yeah. So it just says actually here the, uh, oh wow. Lukewarm reaction. This is to, uh, this Tuesday in Texas, lukewarm and disappointing 1.0 buy rate rendered the experiment a failure and shelved its plans until nearly 13 years later when they held a taboo Tuesday. So the whole idea of, yeah, having a Tuesday pay-per-view and experiment and I mean, still having 8,000 people come out. It was San Antonio. So that's where it was in specifically in Texas. Uh, Freeman Coliseum, of course. Uh, Man, I I miss the, uh, I know there's like sponsors for arenas now, but like such cool, so much better names. And we're going to get into the 92 Royal Rumble, like Knickerbocker Arena, 
you know, Boston Gardens. Can you imagine if, like, now it's the TD Gardens? Can you imagine if Madison Square Gardens turned into, like, the T-Mobile Square Gardens? Like, just, can you imagine that? So, anyways, the, uh, the idea here is Hogan gets his rematch. There's more controversy. Hogan wins the belt back. But, like, Jack Tunney gets knocked out. There's a few other things that happen. So, Jack Tunney's just like, F this. Uh, you know, he's like, there's too much controversy. There's no clear, there hasn't been a clear winner, um, even with me at ringside. So, he actually just strips Hogan of the belt and says the belt will be up for grabs at the Royal Rumble, that being the 92 Royal Rumble. So, here it is. It's up for grabs. And that gets us to where we are. Uh, that being the 92 Royal Rumble. So, bring that up here. We have, so yes, Knickerbocker Arena, Albany, New York, January 19th. So, today's the 20th time of recording. So, a day past that, what are we at? The 20, or sorry, 31st anniversary of uh, of this. Uh, the wonderful cover. Like, the the cartoon, like, Ric Flair's on the right, Jake the Snake. It's like everybody kind of crowding the cover, walking towards you, which, I mean, I know they've used for years, but I like the cartoons, the street lights all on them. Like, it's just such a cool cover. So nostalgic. Uh, 30 participants. So the last two Royal Rumbles have been back-to-back won by Hulk Hogan. Uh, Hulk Hogan is starting to kind of, his star is starting to burn out a little bit here. And we will get into that, that story, that backstory. There's uh, some controversy that happens in the backstage area after this, supposedly. I'm going to look up his age. I like, you know, doing the ages thing here. So, 77. No, that's when he debuted. By the way, Hulk Hogan, apparently, a Scientologist now. Have you guys heard this? Uh, oh, he's as old as my mom. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry, mom. Uh, he's like oldish. Compared to my mom, if you do some specific calculations. Um, so 53, 63, 73, 83, 93. So he was, okay. Yeah, just shy of 40, like 38, 39 at this point uh, of the 92 Royal Rumble. So I could kind of see where he's, you know, uh, you know, Vince McMahon's starting to get, trying to show him the door perhaps. Uh, meanwhile, Ric Flair, who ends up winning this thing, terrible picture of Ric Flair that I'm looking at, by the way, with his pathetic purple shirt that he wore for the, uh, for his final match, just bleeding everywhere, hair all dis- disheveled. Oh, Mick Foley and Bret Hart in the background, Undertaker with his arms crossed, Ric Flair weeping as per usual. Um, I mean, good on him for doing it and such, but what is one of the most unflattering pictures I've been, I've seen of him. Uh, so 49, so this is 1949 is when he, uh when he was born february 25th so 49 59 69 79 89 yeah so he's like 43 or about to turn 43 uh so yeah interesting stuff right especially back then i mean that's pretty much past your prime like i know sports athletes and specifically wrestlers fighters can you know fight well into their 40s now and so forth but it was pretty unheard of back then you know sport prime was uh you know to 27 to 34 and by the time you're 40, you're looking at, you know, wrapping things up. So interesting, interesting stuff. Undertaker, on the other hand, I want to say he was like 25, which is pretty crazy. They have this new crop of guys coming, excuse me, they're coming up and Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker. I think a few other guys, Steve Austin, were all uh, the same age. Um, like in 96, they were all 31. So five years before that, yeah, about 26, 27. Yeah, so there you have it. Um, let's get into this. I want to queue up <clears throat> what I need to queue up here for. 
I like to have these a couple pages open. I always do Wikipedia, but I also like this other site called Pro Wrestling Wiki, which is um yeah, there we go. Is this the one that we want? Yeah, perfect. Okay. So 92 Royal Rumble. We we're finally getting to it. Um we mentioned it 17,000 Knickerbocker Arena, January 19th. Ric Flair is the winner now. Ric Flair drew number three. This is one of these first like uh legends of what happened, and it was like the suggestion of Oh, I forget who suggested it first that Ric Flair come out number one. And uh, Vince McMahon's like, no, we can't. Uh, yeah. Again, this is so many, a few different, like, <laughs> a few different ways of uh, hearing this story, I'm sure, if you read it online. But Vince shot it down and then apparently came back very shortly after, whether it's the next day or later that day, and said, I want Ric Flair to come out at number three. And then kind of credited himself with this whole idea. The idea that, like, the earlier that you put him in, the more. Um, sort of weight you will hold with the WWF fans because they didn't necessarily, I mean, they knew who he was, but they hadn't really seen what he could do by this point. Uh, so the whole idea was to have a re- Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Really big Ric Flair showcase to help him get over, uh, you know, in the mind of Vince McMahon or, or, you know, some of the guys in, in WWF at the time that figured it was a, a good idea for him to to do that. Um, so that was one of the first interesting thing. Bobby Heenan was associated as was Mr. Perfect with Ric Flair at this time. And it's just amazing. Bobby Heenan sitting on, on eggshells, like wondering when, what number Ric Flair drew, by the way, by the way, like looking back on this on WWE network, um, Ric Flair mentions in, you know, there's like the pre interviews before the Royal Rumble starts. They do like the, the, um, like the B roll, like all the guys in the locker room and they get like. 15 to 20 seconds or 30 seconds to just say why they're going to win the Royal Rumble. And it just rotates through eight or 10 guys. And it's just amazing. It's so cool. I love the old 1990, early nineties, like locker room area. You know what I mean? Like as the backdrop, mean gene, the stick man, sometimes it's not even him. It's just like the guys yelling and getting ready. And uh, yeah, it's just, oh yeah. I want to say to some of these other guys, like, like I remember all these guys, right? Like the referees, we got dangerous Danny Davis, Earl Hebner, Joey Morella, the son of gorilla monsoon who passed away in that car accident with, um, with uh, downtown Bruno. I think this, those two guys were speaking of car accidents, you know, shout out to, you know, Jay Briscoe and, and his family, uh, terrible, uh, tragedy and accident recently, t- you know, passing away at 38 and his, I believe both his kids or at least one of his daughters is, um, is like in pretty bad shape right now. So, you know, thoughts, prayers and condolences out to, uh, that family and just wanted to, you know, to mention that as well. 
Yeah. So, and then to just go back to some of the personalities here, uh, obviously the Fink, the, you know, Howard the Fink Finkel doing all the ring announcing for this. Uh, we have the interviewers, Sean Mooney. I mean, of course, Lord Alfred Hayes, me and Gene doing the, the brunt of the work. Uh, and then, of course, Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon, one of the best commentary teams of all time. Two people, you know, Gorilla Monsoon being the straight man that's kind of trying to shape up Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan saying just some ridiculous uh, over-the-top stuff. I, I, You know, this is they got into the whole uh, the Rockers breaking up. This is right after the barbershop incident. I want to say it was out of their late 91 or early, early 92. So the Shawn Michaels just starting his like heel singles run here. Classic stuff with like the white zebra print. Um, you know, the heart is in zebra print, like that kind of uh, appearance to Shawn Michaels. You know, trying that on. And, and Heenan going that, Jannetty's a coward. He tried to escape through the window. And then Gorilla Monsoon do that. Would you be serious? You know, like that whole dynamic they had was amazing. So great, great stuff here. Um, yeah, uh, back to the Ric Flair thing, though. Like, I'm quite certain that Ric Flair in one of those early interviews, maybe it was Sean Mooney that was interviewing him, asking him what number he got. And he's just like, yeah, I got uh, I got number three. Oh, yeah, okay. Never. I'm just reading this now. It came across my um, my vision. It was Bobby Heenan mentioned in his autobiography that he suggested that Flair enter the Rumble at number one for dramatic purposes and that Vince changed it to number three and then claimed it as his own idea. So pretty funny. So, yeah, and then the way I remember as a kid, I don't remember Flair disclosing that he got number three and it was like a surprise. And that's the way that Bobby Heenan acted. Like he's just like, like I say, he was on pins and needles the whole time. Like, oh, like when's Flair coming out? And, you know, so Davey Boy... Davy Boy Smith drew number one, who had a really good showing in this. And then Ted DiBiase drew number two. And then it was Flair. By the way, the uh, the entrances, like this is before they started using entrance music for everybody that came down. Um, obviously, they used for, for number one and number two. So uh, Bulldog and DiBiase got their entrance music. But then after that, anybody that comes out, they just, they come through the curtain uh, the sound, by the way, shout out to whoever is in the audience that had, it's not a cowbell, uh, it kind of sounds like that though, it was like, um, you know, what uh, Dusty Rhodes would have, what is that, uh, like the the bull rope, there's a bull rope and in the middle there's that like, uh, it's kind of, I guess it's cowbell for lack of a better term, it's like a bull rope bell type situation, like it goes like... Uh, somebody had one of those in the audience that was close to where they had the audience mic'd. And I kind of forgot about this. And like, it's so prominent though. Anytime anybody comes out through the curtain, that whoever has that guy or girl, shout out to whoever they are, is just going nuts on that uh, that cowbell. And it's tremendous. It really adds to the ambiance and like the, the atmosphere. And man, it's so cool. Like um, seeing... Yeah, these entrances and all these Hall of Fame and like these big names coming out one after another. It's so cool. So Ric Flair's time just over an hour, one hour and two milliseconds, which is hilarious. By the before this, uh, Rick Martel had the longest with fifty three minutes. I think there's always like that Iron Man each year. There's a guy that you know goes like forty five, fifty five, sixty minutes. I know Finn Balor did it one year. Uh, Dolph Ziggler did it one year. I mean. So many p- different people have, have, have done that spot before. And it's a good way to get the person over without actually winning. It's interesting. So just some of the uh, back 
background of the Rumble match itself. So yes, uh, Bulldog, he was first in. Uh, he lasted 23 minutes. Ted DiBiase thrown out almost immediately. He's like a little over a minute for, uh, you know, for Bulldog chucked him. Then Flair comes down. We got Jerry Sags, Haku. Those are the first few. Uh, Shawn Michaels, as we mentioned, newly uh, healed. Shawn Michaels, uh, as in newly bad guy did. Uh, bad guy, Shawn Michaels. Um, and he lasted 15 minutes, had a good showing. Uh, Tito Santana, 13 minutes. Barbarian. Oh, yeah, Texas Tornado at nine. I love, I forgot how much I loved the Texas Tornado. As soon as he comes down, you're just like, yeah. He is the show. Oh, yeah, Repo Man, which is hilarious. Uh, Smash. It took me years to realize that Smash was the Repo Man because he uh, had a hilarious entrance, too. He runs out of the curtain, and then he looks back as if he's, like, somebody's chasing him or he's, like, second-guessing coming out. Uh, hilarious, hilarious stuff. And good on Barry Darso for being able to play Smash and Repo Man. Very cool stuff. Uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine. Then we had Nikolai Volkov, who apparently took Marty Jannetty's spot because Marty Jannetty had actually been suspended or something happened to him. Uh, so Volkov was like a last-minute addition. Oh, big boss man. Incredibly fast on his feet back back in this era, even though he was like actually bigger than what he was when he was when he came back in the late 90s. He was a big boy, but he, could, he was quite nimble and agile. Uh, coming out at 13... You know, you got Hercules, Roddy Piper. Okay, so right around this time, and I thought it was around halfway point. It's exactly halfway point. So right around this time, um, it ended up that Ric Flair was in the ring by himself. Everybody else had been thrown out, and it was Roddy Piper that came down. Roddy Piper, by the way, ended up uh, 34 minutes, so had one of the uh, the best times. Actually, I think the second best time, aside from uh, Ric Flair, of course. So, and then that was cool, man. So then we had this moment, you have this moment where like, it's almost like a reset. Well, it is like a reset for, um, for the rumble match. And it's Piper versus Flair, who I, you, we now know are like, we're like very good friends, um, you know, outside of the ring. And they have this like, almost like, yeah, they have a couple minutes to have this match, you know, in the, in the middle of the rumble. And then Jake Roberts comes down and does the whole, like, hey, you guys fight. I'll just lay, sit in the corner, which is totally Jake Roberts. Very, very cool. You know, and then, you got, then Jim Duggan starts coming down. And then Erwin R. Scheister is number 18. Jimmy Snuka, who I loved at this time, one of my uh, you know favorites at the time, came down. Then Undertaker, here he is at number 20. And I remember him kind of clearing the ring. You know, another kind of you know, the big guy that chucks a bunch of guys out. Uh, yeah, then Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, comes down and technically kind of eliminated himself here, and they let him back in, which I thought was uh, a little bit strange. Uh, and then he got credit for about 23 minutes, and he was in the final four, he being Macho Man Randy Savage. You know, and um, yeah, it was a little bit strange because he had this, like, obviously massive rivalry. We mentioned it earlier on the show with Jake Roberts. And Jake Roberts, he threw him out and then, like, launched himself over the top rope to keep fighting Jake Roberts. Both feet clearly touched the ground because he, like, fought up the aisleway with him. And then he was allowed back in. So a little bit strange. I think they even mentioned that, how that was kind of strange. Berserker comes down shortly after Virgil, you know, breaking free of the Million Dollar Man. That uh, short-lived babyface good guy run that he had. Colonel Mustafa was actually in the Royal Rumble. Rick Martel. And then, of course, Hulk Hogan coming in at 26. Big pop for him to come down. Uh, That would sort of change, though, throughout the, the match. Uh, specifically at the end. I mean, then we have Skinner. 
the spitter, as um, Gorilla Monsoon called him. The spitter, Skinner. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter, which he had a tremendous heat on him right now. The Iraqi sympathizer, you know, Desert Storm is going on. Uh, yeah, he turned heel, uh, former WWF champion at this point. Coming down, so some big guns. Speaking of big guns, number 29 was Sid Justice. And he looked, m- like, massive here. Like, this is got to be him in his peaks, 1960. So, yeah, 32 years old. And I remember there was big plans for Sid, apparently, right? There was, um, oops, I just deleted that page. Uh, there was big plans for Sid uh, as far as, like, there's some, like, rumors or, like, a story. I want to say it's on Bruce Pritchard, like, the one you not when you're not wrestling uh what the hell is it called um damn it drawing a blank the bruce pritchard podcast uh something to wrestle with there we go uh yeah that apparently he was supposed to take over the red and yellow trunks and he's you know and hogan was sort of on his way out and he was going to be the the next you know the heir apparent to hogan and i just never really worked out there was a few different stories that you hear from that as to why uh, we'll get into the story that happened after this, this particular match. Um, yeah. And then the warlord came out uh, at number 30, the, uh, the ever sought after number 30 that never really seemed to win. I think John Cena's won in 2008, number 30. I think there might be a few people. I think Lesnar won last year. Wasn't he number 30? Uh, generally number 30 is, is seemed a little bit cursed. Um, and yes, in this case, Warlord lasted a minute 43. I'm going to look at just because I got the times in front of me. Who was the shortest? Nikolai Volkov was a minute three. Jerry Sags of the Nasty Boys, minute six. Uh, so those are the shortest times in there. Um, just to confirm some of the, yeah. So Randy Savage, a uh, tw- little over 22 minutes. Erwin R. Scheister, 27 minutes. Roddy Piper, 34 yeah, of course, I've mentioned Ric Flair, one hour and two milliseconds. I don't know why the two milliseconds is there. Um, yeah, British Bulldog, 23-33. So by the time it, the smoke is clearing, we had, you know the classic final four. Uh, oh, by the way, it's worth mentioning too. Hogan, um, you know, when he comes in, he ripped, he does the shirt ripping spot and then starts like choking people with the shirt. I remember Eric and I used to like think this is hilarious. Like he actually does wrestle a lot like like a heel, uh, you know, even, you know, eye raking and like back raking and doing all these kind of like slimy heel moves, even though he's like six foot six, 303, 303 pounds. And just, yeah, kind of funny to see that, right? When you're like, ho- and then I remember Jesse, the body venture would always call him out for that. Like, uh, like on commentary, which was interesting too. So Hogan definitely kind of being a heel in this, right? And, you know, I think that this was the audience, a New York audience, and they started sort of voicing their opinion as far as who they wanted to see moving forward a little bit here. So final four was Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair. Um, by the way, Heenan doing wonderful commentary this whole time, uh, just saying things like begging, like, I'll be a change man, like, don't don't throw Ric Flair out and, and all this stuff. It's just hilarious. Uh, so Hogan, Macho Man, Ric Flair, Sid Justice is the final four. What an amazing final four. Um, you know, and then Macho Man's gone. Uh, so then it's Hogan uh, trying to throw out Ric Flair. Sid comes in from behind and kind of looks at this, assesses the situation and ends up dumping Hogan over. And then Hogan, uh, apparently this is like, if, this is sort of where there's a bit of a controversy. 
Uh, Hogan gets dumped over. There's a huge actual cheer. Like a, like the New York crowd is, is down with that. They wanted to see that. And then Sid's getting cheered. Uh, Hogan's on the outside of the ring going, hey, you attacked me from behind. I thought we were, you know, we're supposed to be buddies, which doesn't really hold up. I mean, it is the Royal Rumble. It'd be like, hey, man, like I would have done the same to you, you know, but he was really kind of coming off like a sore loser because he was, you know, he's supposed to leave the ringside area at this point. He doesn't. And then he takes it upon himself to reach into the ring over the rope and grab Sid's arm and start pulling on Sid. Like, again, like a sort of a petulant child. And this is where, of course, Ric Flair uh, dumps over Sid. And then Hogan's still pulling him. So it almost gets an assist helping Ric Flair win the Royal Rumble and dump Sid. And uh, so Ric Flair gets the belt and like a heel. Then Hogan comes in the ring and doesn't really give Ric Flair a moment. Ric Flair has to bail. And then there's uh, Mr. Perfect waiting for him in the, the aisle. He gets the belt. He didn't, like, you know, he doesn't get to, like, hold it up in the ring or anything, which is kind of strange, too, where he's just like, man, Hogan. Like, what the hell? And uh, and then Sid comes in, and all the, uh, they have the stare down, Hogan and Sid, and yeah, interesting stuff. And apparently after this, uh, Hogan went into the back stage area and was saying that, like, I don't know, just made a big fuss and was saying to Vince in front of everybody, you planned that, you want you like you want me gone and you know, you're sabotaging me and you knew I was gonna get booed and and then uh Sid was basically ready to quit because he's like it's just so so much drama and he's not really all not about that, you know, and just kinda like what is going on? Like this is ridiculous. Um and yeah, so many, many different stories. I mean you can read them online if you if you care to, but yeah, big controversy to the point they actually Apparently, in like the whole, you know, the Coliseum home video version of this, that's going uh, going back. Uh, they actually sweetened the noise to make it look like uh, Sid got booed when he threw out Hogan to like, you know, and then they changed some of the commentary. Uh, they really sort of edited around this to make it look like because you know the story is and and continued to be Sid turning heel. And then them having a match, you know, in this 92 WrestleMania, which I want to say is number eight. And so, yeah, so they to support that, they doctored some of the, uh, you know, the crowd noise and, re, you know, recalibrated the commentary and such. So interesting stuff. And then, you know, I shortly after, I want to say after this WrestleMania, this upcoming WrestleMania for the 92, uh, a bunch of these superstars left. So Sid was gone. Jake the Snake was gone. Um, was it Warrior? I think Warrior's already gone because he hasn't even been on here. So a bunch of like their big name guys uh, leave Hogan, of course, uh, shortly after. Or maybe this is heading into, yeah, let's see. Yeah, WrestleMania 8. So yeah, Sid versus Hogan. Yes, and of course, Macho Man versus Ric Flair. And I want to say that's like, is it in a retirement match or something like that? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, we'll have to, that'll be coming soon. That's, that's an amazing match though. Flair, uh, Macho is clearly the main event. And then Sid Hogan, I think that's when like randomly Papa Shango comes down. Oh yeah. And then the warrior returns at this WrestleMania. Yeah. 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 Interesting stuff. Um, so, and then, you know, after the Royal Rumble is over, one of the absolute classic, uh, promos in WWF history, in my opinion, the uh, the tear in my eye speech. It's basically it's Mean Gene. It's in that locker room that I mentioned. The blue back backdrop of the locker room. Uh, it's Flair just sweating. He's got the belt. 
you know the the the, the best championship belt like the winged eagle the golden winged eagle belt uh mr perfect with the orange black track suit behind him and uh bobby heenan and they're bobby heenan and mr perfect are just cackling away laughing away and uh rick flair proceeds to do the the whole with a tear in my eye and does like that whole promo that's one of the best promos like people you know there's like the dusty roads uh hard times promo there's the cm punk but you know uh pipe bomb uh you know there's just certain promos that are always uh cited as you know uh if you want to watch a great wrestling promo watch this one to me that's that's this one all day long uh so so damn good um yeah i i like i rewound it a few times and um the rest of it's great but that line is completely 100% iconic such a cool line though with a tear in my eye so you know that's how it kind of ends off I mean there's some other you know decent stuff it's worth mentioning too one of the uh the final piece of uh, controversy that I, I learned much much later on in my wrestling fandom was that Bret Hart uh was not on this pay-per-view he actually uh lost I believe at a house show um, to the Mountie. And I remember this footage of the story building up to Piper versus the Mountie here on this pay-per-view, the 92 rumble that it showed, uh, they were saying that, um, you know, Bret Hart had this fever of 104 and, and I believe he got like water spilt on him somehow. And then they used the shock stick, uh, the Mountie shock stick. And then he either, yeah, he lost somehow lost the intercontinental championship. And it was apparently, uh, ready to like jump ship, which I had no idea. Like in early or late 91, early 92, Bret Hart was ready to go to WCW. Uh, apparently. And I, and I believe he actually does say this in his book. It's, it's just been a while since I read it. And, um, yeah, he was ready to go and, uh, didn't realize that his contract had rolled over. So he no longer had his window had closed. He was no longer able to go. And it's curious because, like, later on this year, this no, in 92, and I, I want to say October, uh, he actually wins the WWF championship from Ric Flair. For, and that's his first time. And it's in Saskatoon, which is actually pretty uh, pretty close to where I'm living right now, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, pretty cool stuff. Speaking of, uh, so Edmonton, Alberta, just to the south of me, about two, three hours-ish, is Calgary, which is where Bret Hart lives. And Bret Hart is about to, or perhaps already has, opened his first bar. It's called the Hitman's Bar, which will be really cool. I imagine there's going to be a lot of, like, wrestling memorabilia, the potential of, you know, Bret Hart just kind of walking in for a beer. Who knows? You know, I, who knows? So pretty pretty cool. Uh, I, I have high hopes for it. I have no idea, like, what it's actually going to be, what's going to entail, if it's just sort of like, you know. I know there's, like, the Gretzky... Um, whiskey lounge or whatever at the Edmonton, the Wayne Gretzky, uh, whiskey lounge at the Edmonton international airport. And it's, uh, you know, it's, there's some pictures of them and it's otherwise a bar. So who knows? It might just be something like that too, but I'm having high hopes for it. I'm picturing like, uh, WWE New York, you know what I mean? It's got like very heavily themed, uh, with wrestling memorabilia and stuff like that. Maybe some of the championship belts on the, who knows? Really cool though. So shout out Bret Hart, uh, and hopefully that um, we do live in Alberta at the end of the day. So Alberta is a, a fairly big drinking <laughs> drinking province up here in Canada. So um, you know, I think that's pretty much a wrap. Oh yeah. Oh sorry to go back to the Piper 
Bret Hart thing. So uh, Piper, Bret Hart, Mountie. So by this time, Mountie won the, the Intercontinental Championship. He's had it for a couple weeks. And Roddy Piper steps in because Roddy Piper is, uh, you know, defending Bret Hart. They were saying they're cousins or something at this point. And uh, Piper, coincidentally, from Saskatoon as well. So, or not as well. From We mentioned the, the match with Ric Flair and Bret Hart taking place in Saskatoon. That is actually where Roderick Toombs, a.k.a. Roddy Piper, was born. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan also being the province that houses or that... Um, um, houses, shelters, where Brock Lesnar lives is in, is uh, Saskatchewan. There's Trout, my cat. Uh, so yeah, and then there was Roddy Piper defending uh, Bret Hart's honor and ended up winning the Intercontinental Championship, playing double duty. I remember this as a kid thinking this was just the raddest thing. Piper wins the Intercontinental Championship and then goes like 35 minutes in the Royal Rumble and had a chance to actually win the Heavyweight Championship. So it was like unheard of. And very unique and cool, creative at the time. So I think that's pretty much it. You know, there was the New Heart Foundation. We had um, uh, New Heart Foundation, Jim Neidhart and Owen Hart against the Orient Express. 17-minute opener. It was a good opener. Uh, we had a Piper Mountie that went to just five minutes. Very short. Beverly Brothers versus the Bushwhackers. Painfully went 15 minutes. Uh, natural disasters. I believe this is after, just after they turned heel, perhaps against the Legion of Doom, Animal and Hawk, and went for about t- uh, just over nine minutes. So those are the other matches here. Of course, the Royal Rumble being the the most iconic. Ric Flair going the distance from number three all the way to the end, and that is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. One year in wrestling, we'll be coming back with you uh, for the next 1992 pay per view. We're also going to be doing. A, uh, a show for the current Royal Rumble, which is uh, going to be taking place next weekend. So I'll be coming back uh, for one or both of those shows. Thanks for listening. Talk soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.